morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to see you guys. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to pray real quick before we get into everything, uh, and then we can dive into what we're talking about today. God, um, I just thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I just pray that you uh, speak today. God, speak. Speak through me. Speak through the worship, God. Um, speak through your word. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you be present here with us, and uh, we love you. and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, it's good to see you guys again. It's been a little while since I've been up here, so um, it's, uh, it's good to be back. But uh, as you know, we've been going through this series called Bride of Christ. Um, if you've been around and um, in that, we've just been kind of taking a look at what uh, God's church should look like. Um, we've been going through the acronym WIFE, or uh, it's actually WIFE because Grant cheated, um, it, where we're discussing some of just the marks of the church. And so um, we covered so far the first W was word, just how God's church should be centered on the word, uh, should be uh, something that permeates everything that we do. Uh, the second W was worship, um, just that as a church, that's something that needs to be central to who we are, central to who we are as a church, um, that we would desire to make God's name known, desire to put him in his rightful place in our lives, but also uh, in this world. Um, last week, Grant talked about intercession, about prayer, uh, just about being in communication with God and how vital that is to the church and its health. And so um, I don't know about you guys, but I've actually really enjoyed this series. Um, I've just enjoyed getting to hear from so many different people. And more honestly, most importantly, I've really enjoyed putting a lot of this stuff into practice in our life groups uh, on Thursday. I feel, something about that just feels right uh, to me. And so uh, today we're going to continue in the WIFE acronym, and uh, we're going to be talking about fellowship. So uh, for me, you may or may not know that I got saved my sophomore year in college, uh, the end of my sophomore year in college. Um, and uh, that was kind of when God changed my entire life, changed the course of my life forever. Um, and uh, after that, I was kind of at home for the summer on co-op, um, and I was, uh, yeah, I was co-oping, working there, and the guy that introduced me to Jesus, his name was Josh, he was also there for the summer, and so uh, that whole summer, my kind of fellowship or community was with Josh, right? I would spend a ton of time with this guy. Um, there, I just kind of like learned what it meant to follow Jesus. We would study the word together. We would, um, you know, even go to like the hookah bar and try to talk to people there about Jesus, stuff like that. Uh, and, and Jesus was just never really far from our lips. And uh, toward the end of the summer, Josh had to go back to school, and I didn't because uh, Bowling Green was on semesters, and at the time, UC was on quarters. So I still had like a month of the summer left, and so I was still there. And it wasn't long uh, before I realized like my need for a community and fellowship um, was, was lacking. And so I got plugged into a church there. Many of those people that I met there, I'm still friends with today. Um, but honestly, whenever I came back to UC, when I moved back to UC, I knew right away that I needed to get plugged into some kind of church community, some kind of uh, Bible-believing community. And so um, that's when I found H2O. Uh, that's when I got plugged in here. And the rest, they say, is history. Um, now, fellowship is this kind of important thing uh, that 
I think also is a little vague as to what it even means. I think uh, even the word fellowship, at least to me, brings to mind either like the Lord of the Rings or uh, Christians getting together and playing like Settlers of Catan or something like that. Uh, And so uh, we're going to go through some scriptures here uh, on just like what uh, it is that we're really talking about when we say the word fellowship because that carries a lot of weight. Uh, We're going to rapid fire actually through a lot of these texts. Uh, These are just some of the things that God has to say about community and fellowship in his word. Um, And so we're going to put these up on the screen. If you're a note taker, this is going to be where you're going to want to write down these like references and stuff like that. Because like I said, we're going to, we're going to be hopping through these pretty quick. So uh, the first one is John 13, 34, 35. I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. First uh, John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. First John one three, what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. Uh, and then Hebrews, we're going to jump into Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other in all the more as you see the day drawing near. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. That's like a coffee cup verse. Uh, a lot of people know that one. Uh, Matthew eighteen twenty: for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Galatians 6, 2, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Acts two forty two. this is another popular one. It's about the early church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Romans 1, 11 and 12, For I want very much to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So this is the idea of mutual encouragement in fellowship. And then the last one is 1 Thessalonians 5, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. So that's a lot, and that's kind of like a broad stroke picture of of just, again, some of the things that the Bible has to say about fellowship. Uh, And so what is fellowship? Well, uh, the dictionary defines it as friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. Friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. So is that it? Does that just mean that, you know, we as a church, we're a social club? Like we, we share one common thing, and uh, does it mean that fellowship is really just getting together that, with people that like the same stuff as you like? Uh, does it mean fellowship is getting together with people and watching a movie that also happened to like Jesus or something like that? You know, is, is that just what fellowship is? Well, uh, the Greek word commonly used in the New Testament for fellowship is koinonia. Koinonia. And this word it means, generally it means to, to share in, or to share which one has in anything, and it has this connotation of like participation, right? to participate in. And so this means the kind of fellowship that we see in the Bible is the kind of fellowship where you are sharing in each other's lives, right? Um, picture walking so near to somebody that you're involved in most things going on in their lives. Uh, that would be the blessings and the burdens, um, the privileges, the responsibilities, the struggles, the uh, celebrations, like all of that, uh, you're not only aware of it, but you're sharing in that, and they in your life as well. And, and so companionship, partnership, uh, living among each other with one common goal, and that common goal is this, to make God the king of our lives and to make much of him. 
right? To make God the king of our lives and to make much of him. And Jesus said that goal a little bit like this in Luke 9, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Uh, and this is this just really high calling that Jesus gives us. It's really a tough calling. I mean, who here would say, yeah, you know, dying to myself sounds great. I'd like that. Bring that on to me. That sounds either easy or nice. Like nobody would say that. Uh, and yet Jesus calls us to do that. He calls us to come and die so that we may make much of him. And, and without question, one of the most difficult aspects of Christianity is this. Right? Jesus calls us to lay down our lives for him. And here's the reason that I'm sharing this with you guys. If you are surrounding yourself with people that are not chasing after God, like how easy a task do you think that is? Right? Dying to ourselves and living unto Jesus, I would say is a difficult task with people. Um, and I would suggest that that is something that is impossible apart from the fellowship of other believers. And so um, here's what I mean by that. I've been uh, a Christian for about seven or eight years. Not a huge sample size, I understand that. Um, but it's uh, being involved in a lot of people's lives, I can tell you this. I have never, and, and the key word there is never, zero times have I met somebody uh, whose primary friend group are people that aren't seeking after Jesus, and then at the same time, they have a deep relationship with Jesus. I've never met somebody that, uh, who's pr again, primary is the key word, whose primary friend group are people that aren't seeking after the Lord, and at the same time, they're on fire for God, right? I've never met somebody who surrounds himself with people living in sin, and simultaneously, they're growing in their faith. Now, before I go on, I want to be clear. I'm not saying Stop being friends with people that don't love Jesus. I would, I would suggest the opposite for sure, right? Like we want you to be around those people. Like you need to be a light to them. That's very important. But I am suggesting if your primary source of community, if your primary source of fellowship are people that aren't pursuing Jesus, I'm just saying that's going to impact you. That's going to impact your relationship with Jesus. Uh, and I'm going to say that you would struggle to pursue Jesus with your whole heart. Uh, and so that's sort of what I'm, I'm getting at here. God has designed us to walk with each other and to push each other closer to him. And, and this isn't rocket science, right? Like you've heard this. This isn't a Christian idea. The people that you surround yourself with are the people that you become like, right? Like you've heard that before and you know that that's true. Um, and, and so the question is, do you want those people to be people that are chasing hard after God? Um, I, I know for me, I, I need people in my life that are going to tell me when I'm acting like an idiot. I need people in my life that are going to tell me, uh, that are going to call me out on my crap. You know what I mean? Call me out whenever I'm not honoring God with something that I'm doing. Call me out when uh, something that I'm doing is hindering me from pursuing Jesus. I need that in my life. And at the same time, I need people that are going to encourage me in their walk with Jesus, people that are going to push me closer to him, people that are going to make me want to love Jesus more, people that are going to reignite my faith, help me to fall in love with Jesus again and again and again. 
You've got to surround yourself with this kind of people, the kind of people that are going to move you closer to Jesus, not further away from him. Uh, and if you're having trouble finding that, I would say a good place to start is to be that person for somebody else. A good place to start is to be that kind of person for other believers. Uh, here in H2O, um, in, in any church body really, and, and I promise if you're doing that, fellowship will find you. I promise. <laughs> fellowship will find you if you're doing that to others. Uh, and so um, that's the kind of intro here, and um, with that, we're actually going to invite the panel up for this week. Um, each week of the WIFE, WIFE acronym, uh, we've been inviting up people that seem to uh, excel in a particular area um, to share their experience, to share really just how God has impacted them. Um, and so this week is not going to be any different with that. I, I really love these actually just because uh, I think it shows how differently God's church is gifted, um, like how diverse God's body really is. And, and so um, I just really enjoyed hearing from a lot of people. Uh, so why don't you guys give these guys a hand? That's uh, Rob, <laughs> Rob and Andy. Now, um, for Rob and Andy, I've known each of them for over seven years, so uh, it's been a while. Um, you know, they were both groomsmen at my wedding, so, uh, you know, they're close friends of mine, dear friends of mine. Uh, Rob, I met through a series of acquaintances. I'd like to say uh, he was actually the guy that I was talking about earlier, Josh, that uh, shared the gospel with me. Rob and him were roommates in college, and so um, through Josh, through Grant that I, I knew from here as well, um, I met Rob, and so we've been serving together for quite some time now. Um, Man, and we even, before I got married, we lived together for three years, so roomies, you know? Uh, and then Andy, I've, I've pretty much known since I've gotten involved here at H2O, we actually rode up to our first fall getaway together, um, you know, in the same car, listening to Hillsong, you know, rocking it on the way up there. And then um, also he and I were in the same, we were in the first H2O Cincinnati life group together, met in my apartment uh, I would bake cookies for these guys, and we'd just like sweat and read the Bible together. My room was so freaking hot, and, uh, and it was awesome, actually. It was awesome. So, um, and, and Andy is one of those people that uh, reminds me of the significance of like Jesus in terms of um, the bond and, and the type of friendship that you can have with people. Andy and I, and he would say this, by the way, would probably not be friends apart from Jesus. Um, and we've said that to each other before just because we're so, so different, and, and yet Jesus is like the kind of common foundation there. And so um, these are the guys that we're going to talk about. And um, so I've shared a little bit about my friendship. I actually want to hear from you guys now. Um, so the first thing is, why don't you just share a bit about yourself and your journey and why we've kind of invited you guys up here. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I was raised in a Christian family, um, but we bounced around churches a lot when I was growing up, so I never really felt like I had a Christian community that was mine um, until I got to college. So I went to Bowling Green State University, um, and when I got up there, I got connected with the, our sister church up there, H2O, um, and immediately I was, I was very drawn to the community there. I had had a high school experience where Never really felt like I fit in, never really felt like I was accepted for who I was. Um, like I had a group of friends, but I always felt like I was kind of acting and performing for them the way they wanted me to be so that they would accept me. Um, and I was really looking for a fresh start when I got to college. And so once I came to H2O, just immediately was struck by the feeling of these people actually seem to like me as a person and like actually care for me for who I am. 
And that was such a breath of fresh air and something I was so hungry for that I, I really dove deep into the community there. Um, so while I was there, I actually did some spring break trips down here to UC because this church was just getting started at the time. And so we would come down in our spring break because of the semester quarter thing um, and would help out with the church down here. We'd get to know students and, and kind of help them get their feet under them and everything. And that's when I first met uh, guys like Andy and Kyle um, and started to develop a relationship. And I was always so impressed with the community that I found down here at UC because like the, the church really wasn't anything to speak of at the time. <laughs> it was like a bunch of freshmen and sophomores like stumbling their way through like a crappy version of what we do now. And, um, <laughs> but, but the community was there. Like you could just tell that these people had this special love for each other that was like so attractive to me. Um, and so I used to tell people, like, man, I wish I was going to grad school. Like, I would go to UC, like, because I want to be a part of that church. There's just something there that's so cool. Um, and so God ended up just opening some really cool doors, and I ended up getting a job um, about 30 minutes north of here up in Fairfield. Um, and when I found that out, I was really excited because I was like, hey, here's a chance for I can um, come and be a part of this church, come down for church services and life group and stuff. Uh, and so I told Grant. Grant was a, a friend of mine from BG, and he had just gone on staff down here. And he was immediately like, dude, you should come live with us. And, like, I, it honestly just hadn't even crossed my mind of, like, coming down here and living in Clifton with college students. But he said something to me I'll never forget, which is, it makes more sense to live where you do ministry and commute to work than it does to live where you work and commute to your ministry. And I was just like, wow, that makes so much sense. Like, this community has changed my life in such drastic ways. That's why I even want to be down here. Why would I not invest and make sacrifices to prioritize that in my life? And so I've lived down here in Clifton for five and a half years now. I've, you know, I do that commute out of the city every day to go to my job. Um, I bought a house down here in Clifton. So, like, I've made a lot of choices because I value community and put that as a, a primary priority in my life. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Hey, guys. Uh, so, actually... <laughs> It's, I don't know, it's, I was telling Kyle this uh, when we were talking about this uh, earlier this week, it's, it's really hard to even know where to begin for me on, on this topic. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to put, you know, years and years of God using fellowship in my life into, you know, like 10 minutes or something <laughs> is, is really hard, but I'm, I'll do my best. Uh, I'll skip over most of my life until college. Um, there was, it was actually very similar to Rob. Um, I think actually a lot of people in H2O is sort of, uh, the island of misfit toys a little bit, like just sort of like people who don't really feel like they belong, you know. Um, it was a lot like that for me as well, and I was definitely raised as a, a strong Christian, but uh, there was a lot of idolatry and distractions in my life, and just it was very much a um, a worksy kind of kind of Christianity. So um, yeah, music was sort of all I wanted to do uh, for for a really long time, and so I decided to audition here at CCM for uh, classical guitar, and um, that was all my hopes, everything, all of my ideals, everything in my future that I was hoping for, it, it began essentially at CCM. It was just my absolute goal. And I was gonna do whatever it took to get in here. And that was my singular focus. Um, I always wanted friends, but I didn't have a ton of friends in high school, so it was really all about music. So um, when I got accepted here, I, uh, my, my first year was, I was in absolutely high gear overdrive at CCM. It was, uh, I don't know how I got through it and stayed alive, honestly. It was unbelievable. 
um, the, the pressure and uh, I was practicing six, seven hours a day on top of you know, classes and rehearsals and I was at SCCM from 7 a.m. till midnight and it was uh, you know, an exhausting time and church was absolutely not on my radar at that time. God was hardly on my radar. Um, I was dating a girl who I was hoping to be engaged to and um, essentially just you know, tons of idolatry and then eventually tons of exhaustion after that first year. And so um, at that point, I kind of decided it, it's not really worth bothering trying to have friends anymore because I consider that an ideal that um, the kind of friendships that I wanted, I didn't think existed. I really thought that's just fanciful and, you know, me being overly idealistic per usual. So um, I just, I gave up on it, not in a like self-pitying way, just like it's just not something I'm going to prioritize anymore because I have this girlfriend that I'm serious about and I have music and CCM and that's you know, that's enough to fill up 24 hours in a day. So um, then uh, God kind of brought all that crashing down in, in various ways. Um, it was a, a really crazy time, but sort of, um, I remember that the first time I went to H2O, it was uh, my freshman year, and it was just like 10 or 15 people in a classroom in Swift Hall. And um, I remember thinking, this is fine. I'll come every now and then, you know. In fact, <laughs> I, I remember calling my dad afterward, like, yeah, I just got back from this cool church. Like, there's this guy named Matt Hildebrand who has this vision, and he's, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's pretty, I think, unrealistic. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing to see what God's done, but we'll get there. Um, and then uh, in the fall of that, that next year, my sophomore year, God just wrecked my whole life um, in pretty painful ways, which is, is a really good thing sometimes. So, um, in that, God brought uh, this community, which, um, again, it's hard to articulate how massive of an impact that this had on me. Uh, it was the tool that God used to show me himself. And I, I think it's important to make that distinction. Community is not a relationship with God, but community is necessary for a relationship with God. And it's definitely a, a huge, um, probably the hugest thing that God has used in my life. Um, next three years in college were awesome, uh, really hard at CCM, but my priorities were, were getting better. And um, I started, uh, I, I got, I went headfirst into H2O and God just did some awesome stuff in my life. And there was a sense among all of us that, uh, there was something really unique and, um, very surreal and supernatural going on here. It was just kind of a, a sense that I think a lot of us had back then. And, um, I remember actually, well, I'll talk about that later, actually, sorry. It's hard, again, it's hard to like summarize all this. Um, so then in the next three years, it was, it was great. And then I decided to, um, audition at the Royal Conservatory of Brussels in, in Belgium, in Europe, uh, for grad school. And it was always my plan to, to do Europe for grad school. And so um, I, I did that. Uh, I auditioned and was accepted. And so uh, I moved away from here, which, um, man, I mean, I, I expected it to be hard, but nobody could have prepared me for how hard it was going to be. It was the single most difficult and painful thing I've ever done. Um, not just the process of leaving, but the whole, I, I did my master's in, in three years. It was, it was a long program, so I was away from here for three years, and um, I don't know how much you guys know about Europe, but Christianity is like, um, it's struggling if possibly almost non-existent, like real Christianity, really passionately following God. Um, so it was a huge contrast to what my undergraduate was like, because in my undergrad, I had this awesome community, and in grad school, really nothing. I mean, I was involved in a church that, uh, but it just didn't, it's hard to know how to say this because I don't want to like 
throw shade at that church because there's some awesome people there, but it just wasn't, it wasn't like this at all. So um, that further instilled in my mind, uh, I think it just deepened and put roots in how important I think community is because since I had had it, um, I, and then not having it is, is very difficult, you know? If you never knew what it was, then, it, you know, you don't really know what you're missing, but that was really crazy. And so, uh, actually, this community and fellowship is what, it was kind of the biggest decision why I chose to not stay there and, and return. I had opportunities to stay there. Um, but I, I guess to, to summarize it all, for me, fellowship has kind of dictated most of the major decisions of my life in the past eight years. Um, so that's sort of kind of why it's been important to me. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Um with that, why is this topic uh, of, of fellowship and community, why is that important to you? And, and you could maybe even touch on this more if you'd like to. But Yeah, so um, I think despite my Christian upbringing, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, I just had like a ton of misconceptions about God and like what it means to be a Christian, what it means to, to follow Christ, uh, things that I'm still working through today in, in large ways. And because of that, um, there have been like a lot of really dark moments in my life of just like deep depression and um, anxiety and a desire to just escape God. Um, and, and at the risk of sounding hyperbolic, I really think community and fellowship has been the thing that has kept me in the church during that time. And uh, it's probably the reason that I'm still a Christian today. Hmm. Um, so part of that was just like during those really dark times, like, I didn't really have an escape plan, I guess. Like, you know, I, I talked about all these decisions that I've made to get very plugged into community. And, like, when you're at a spot where you want to reject that and you want to walk away from it, it's just very difficult to do. Like, one of those times happened out of LT in Colorado. It's like, I can't just leave. Like, I'm here. I'm leading a project group. Um, you know, even now, it's like I have Christian roommates. I live down here. I'm, all of my closest friendships are people in this church. Um, and at the time, like when you're in those those difficult times, like that's almost frustrating because you have you're constantly surrounded by people who are going to ask you tough questions and ask you about what's going on in your life and encourage you even though you don't want it and love you even though you don't want it. <laughs> um, and it's almost like an added burden at the time. But coming out on the other side of those things, like I've looked back and been so thankful that I planted roots deep mm-hmm. when I did, so that in the difficult times. Um, that was there to sustain me. Yeah. Uh, and I think, too, just to be surrounded by the testimony of so many awesome people like this is such a testament to what God is doing um, in the world, you know? So, like, there have been times where I've shook my fists at the heavens and been like, God, I want no part of you. Like, hmm. you're not who you say you are. If you, if you are, then things wouldn't be like this. And it's very easy to deny the work that God has done in your own life because you're aware of your own flaws and your shortcomings and your problems. It's a lot harder to look at the, you know, two dozen people I know in this room who I can say very specific things that God has done in their lives. And I see ways that he's working. And even just the fact that this church exists, you have to deny all of that if you're deeply plugged into community. And so it makes you question things. And you're like, all right, maybe the issue isn't God. Maybe it's not that Christianity is fake and fraudulent. Maybe it's I don't understand things quite yet because your life speaks to that and your life speaks to that. And I know how God's working for you and I've seen you change. And so like, um, yeah, it just it, it's really helped me get through those times. Mm. Amen. 
Yeah, I, I'm gonna kind of roll off that. Um, yeah, I, I think community is really important in a very practical way. Um, I think it's easy to think of it as um, more of like a, a concept that is not really realistic, but again, it is. Um, I think especially for um, introverts, it's, it's funny how this works. Um, I think introverts need community more than extroverts do. I mean, we all need community, but I think uh, introverts sort of feel like, well, I'm just going to hunker down and, and just do my thing and people exhaust me and, you know, that's fair. But um, at the same time, like, I, I know for me, I get so in my head with stuff that uh, I don't know how I would have uh, gotten through periods of doubt, for instance, like intellectual doubts about my faith, severe doubts. I'm not talking like, um, you know, oh, what if God doesn't exist? And then it kind of goes away the next day. I'm talking years of doubt, um, which is okay, by the way. I think that's important to say, like, it's okay to have doubts. But uh, it's also really necessary to have people around you who are going to uh, remind you of what's true. Um, because for me, uh, for Spiritual gifts and uh, like First Corinthians uh, twelve and all that. For me, the gift of faith is about at the bottom of the list as far as gifts that I naturally have or that um, that I, I just don't feel gifted with faith basically ever. And that's not me trying to be humble. That's true. Anybody who knows me well knows this. Um, so for me, um, community has been. Uh, an absolutely integral, necessary part of my walk with God. I mean, partly just for that reason. Because, um, oh, I think of the panel from last week. Like, uh, man, those ladies have some serious gifts of faith, you know? Mm -hmm. And I look at that in awe. I'm like, I don't know how that happens. That, it's just, it's the Holy Spirit. Um, but for me, not having that, and even, for, you know, for them who, they're, they're human beings, you know, we all have times where we struggle with believing what's true, whether it be emotionally or in our hearts or in our, in our intellectual minds. Mm -hmm. um, and so community is a way to, I think it's a way to ground you. Um, and so I don't know, I think the importance of that cannot be understated. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. I think it's impossible to separate a relationship with God from community. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, community is not a relationship with God. Just like it's just because you love somebody doesn't mean you love God. Um, but you cannot have one w without the other, or at least the first without the second. Um, at least I, I didn't used to think that. And now it's been proven time and time again. So mm -hmm. there's a lot more I could say, but I'll. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, um, next one is, is what do you guys think is a mark of authentic community? Um, I, we were talking about this a little bit before. Mm -hmm. I think community, authentic Christian community is messy. And I think it's far <laughs> more messy than we want it to be. So like you put that definition up there of like uh, the world defines it as, you know, connection over a shared interest. Yeah. And I think like the world is on board with that definition, right? It's yeah. like, we like the idea of friends and of community and stuff, but a lot of times it's the idea that, um, well, you just bond over something, or like you have really good chemistry together and you're just really good friends. And I think that that is not a sufficient enough explanation for Christian community, because if that's what your relationships are based on, it's really dangerous, because anything that comes in contact with that immediately becomes a threat. So like, maybe you guys aren't as like insecure as I am, but... Um, have you ever had like one of your close friends like meet someone new and start hanging out with them and you get like jealous about it and you're like, they're not that great. They're not that cool. They're just, <laughs> or whatever, you know, like, or, um, 
maybe you're on like Snapchat and you see like, oh, three of my friends are all like hanging out together right now and I wasn't invited. Like, and that makes you feel bad. Like, what drives that? Like, I think at the end of the day, it's this, this insecurity that fears that we're replaceable or that like all these things that I thought defined my relationship, well, they can have that with somebody else or they can get that without me. And so maybe they don't need me and maybe I'm going to get pushed away from that friendship or from that love. Um, you know, like, this is why people get, like, really passive-aggressive with, like, their roommates and their friends and stuff, <laughs> is, like, like there's, a, there's an actual visible problem that has presented itself, but everybody's afraid to, to call it out and give it a name and speak it into existence by acknowledging that there's a problem. And so we play these stupid games where it's, like, we're not going to talk about the fact that we're mad at each other. We're just going to be mad at each other and leave, like, Post-it notes on the bathroom mirror. And... <laughs> And pretend like our relationship is fine. And it's because everyone is scared that if I acknowledge that maybe there's some friction here, what's going to happen to the friendship? Is it going to go away? Because suddenly our interests are not as aligned as they were before. Um, and I think we just need to be willing to wade into that mess. You know, when I think of my best relationships, my closest friendships, um, all of those have been through difficult times. And all of those rather than knowing um, that we're really close and connected, I actually recognize the differences in personality more. Mm -hmm. So uh, people tell me all the time, like, oh, you and Kyle are so alike. That's a weird thing to say to me because I am, like, you know how we're different. Like, we're really aware of how we're different. Yeah. And what defines our friendship is not what we connect over, but the fact that in spite of those differences, we can still love and appreciate each other and have a close relationship. Um, so yeah, I, I think we just need to be willing to like wade into that messiness and acknowledge that friction, you know, that verse about as iron sharpens iron, um, so one man sharpens another, like that's an uncomfortable process, but you can't let your friendships just be defined by the connections and the good things, um, because then you don't even know if those people actually love you or they just love the things they get out of your friendship, but the people that I know really love me are also the people that I know know the real me and know my flaws and my problems and they've said guess what I care more about you and I care more about the relationship than just the things I get out of it so I'm willing to embrace the messiness and the friction to preserve the good stuff that God's doing there that's good <clears throat> yeah um I, I think there are a lot of things that that you can kind of identify that like mark a, a really solid uh godly community um but I, I think kind of the the main aspect of aspect of it that I think of, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is just, is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And I, I don't mean that in a, um, like in a super charismatic, like, uh, healing in tongues way. And hopefully, you know, that's there. If that's there, that's awesome. But I mean in subtle ways. Um, first of all, the first fruit of the Spirit is love, right? Uh, and you'll know one, uh, you'll know that you're, you know, what is it? You'll know my disciples by your love for one another. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, that is central. Even all the um, spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talking about how we're one body with many parts. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, which is right after, is all about love. And at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, I'll show you still a more excellent way than all this, mm -hmm. love. Um, so I think that love being there, um, which is completely Holy Spirit-esque love, is the, the true mark of community. 
Um, and I, I think so, I, the first thing that I thought of when I thought of that was, what does that look like? That seems really ambiguous and con conceptual. Like, what does that Holy Spirit love look like? I think it's in, again, like little things. Um, like, I actually think humor is uh, a really important part of it. Like, there are certain mannerisms that your friends have, you know, that you pick up on over time that you just grow to adore, right? Um, <laughs> like, Jared's a great example of that. I'm sorry, man. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, when I see, like, Jared just being Jared, I just, it fills me for affection for him. He doesn't have to say a word. I, I don't say a word about it. I'm like, oh, Jared. It's, it's you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's just like, man, I, I love the guy, you know? Um, and it, it's like that for really everybody that, that I've gotten to know. And, and the great thing about real community is those nuances get deeper and deeper as you know people. Even that, that little thing, I think, is a mark of true community is not judging somebody for being different from you, but God fills you with the ability to be able to not only be okay with somebody being different than you, but absolutely relishing somebody being different from you. I love that Kyle Barda is different from me. Mm -hmm. I love it because I'm with me all the time. <laughs> like, I get sick of me. I really do. And like, there are times where I'm like, you know, this struggle that I have is so ridiculous and I'm so tired of it. And Kyle doesn't really have that struggle. And so for me, that's like a breath of fresh air. It's like, ah, thank God that Kyle is not like me. Mm -hmm. um, no, nah, at the same time, I'm glad I'm me, right? We can all be glad that God made us the way we are. Uh, in fact, we should be that way. But uh, at the same time, these differences, uh, that's why every, everybody in our church seems to be so obsessed with the Myers-Briggs and why I am too, is because like, it helps you appreciate and understand the differences between all of us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, I, I think uh, really that the Holy Spirit kind of love that manifests itself in the subtle ways. Uh, something that C.S. Lewis talks about in The Four Loves is friendship is not an, ob I'm almost done. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doing great. All right. <laughs> I can't not. Um, but when he's talking about friendship, he says it's not uh, the kind of love where you feel a flutter in the diaphragm, he says. It's not the kind of love that um, makes you want to go shout it from the rooftops usually. It's much more nuanced and human than that. And there's no real evolutionary value in it. That can be debated. But um, I, think, uh, I think what he means is because it's so... Um, dispassionate almost, it's possibly more holy and more pure. Um, and so instead of looking in the eyes of your friends as you would a lover or a wife, you're looking ahead and the other person is looking ahead and you're fighting alongside each other. I think that is Christian community. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Last, last question is this, it's uh, how would you guys instruct someone who maybe is not plugged into fellowship or plugged into community themselves uh, somebody that maybe comes to church here um, but is, is less involved in fellowship but maybe doesn't even know where to begin uh, with that. How would, how would you guys instruct somebody in that manner? Oh, man. How, how to begin that, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, just do it, man. Seriously. <laughs> I, like, it's so worth it. And I, I realize how scary that is. It wasn't natural for me to begin with. I remember, I remember this very specifically being in your life group, the first time I came to Kyle's life group in that freaking hot UPA apartment, um, and man, these guys, like it, it was, you know, life groups were split between guys and girls back then, and um, all these guys were talking about pornography and lust and, and sexual sin, and I was just like, uh, this is a little intense, and 
you know, I kind of, I had been coming around H2O for, for a while at that point, and I, it was a crossroads in my mind. It was like, either I choose to engage with this and take a risk and open up, mm. or it's not worth coming. And that's a really good thing, I think, about godly community. Jesus even backs that up. He who has ears, let him hear. The implication being, if you're not up for this, you might want to check out a little bit. Um, Christian community is challenging, and it's really risky, I think, or it seems risky to um, put yourself out there like that. I know it's, it, it was risky for me back then, but honestly, nowadays, I don't question it even for a second. I don't, it, the thought never crosses my mind. Is it worth like talking about this? Um, like in, in our D group uh, a couple weeks ago, we opened up a subject matter that's a little taboo in, in the evangelical church. And um, there was never even a thought in my mind that was like, is this is, you know, sharing my experiences here, even opening up this topic, like, what if, you know, like, if people think badly of me, is it, like, is this worth taking that risk? Because God has proven time and time again in my life that it is completely 100% worth the risk because nothing bad ever happens when you take a risk, um, like, nothing bad spiritually ever happens when you take a risk with God as the, uh, the destination. Like, a, a lot of, you know, like worldly bad things will happen. Like people are going to think you're really weird, and a lot of people think I'm really weird. And fair enough, um, you know. It's like uh, I don't know. It's definitely a risk, but um, I don't know. I can't emphasize enough how much it's worth taking the risk. And I, I also think it's important to state that um, it's not as risky as you think. This environment is a pretty safe environment to be yourself. Um, I think we have a pretty diverse group as far as personalities go and just tendencies and stuff. Um, and, and so I, I think it, you're pretty safe to just open up. Um, also, last thing, um, I think uh, in regards to opening up like that, uh, it's, oh, it just left my mind. Oh, well, I guess I'm done. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. Classic. Cool. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I was thinking about how to say this, man, like all morning. Get out of your own way and get over your ego. And I, I'm, I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody when I say this because, like, man, God has just been teaching me a lot recently. And, like, do you ever just listen to your own thoughts? Like, you'll be embarrassed when you do that, guys. Like, I am so embarrassingly insecure 24-7. <laughs> like, even this morning, like, knowing that I had to do that, like, I was like, what if I fall down the stairs, like, walking down? What if I, <laughs> like, accidentally fart or something, and, like, people hear that? Like, what is everyone going to think of me if I, like, stumble over my words or something? Just, like, all morning. And if you just stop and you're like, what drives that? Like, it's this belief that if I screw up or do something wrong, people will think less of me. Mm -hmm. And then then maybe they won't love me. And that is my deepest fear in life. And you have to acknowledge that stuff and speak truth to it and just say, like, that is not what defines you. So uh, it's crazy. The, the passage that Susie mentioned this morning, I actually read that today. And in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, Paul says, look, if anyone has reason to boast about how awesome they are, it's me. He literally says, is anyone a follower of Christ? I'm a better one. Like, that's in the Bible. Like, he's saying, I'm the best Christian. And I mean, I think he's right. But then he, he follows up by saying, I have all the reason in the world to boast about how great I am. But if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in my weakness. 
And I was thinking about that. Why, why is that? It's because he gets that it's not my strengths that define me. It's also not my weaknesses that define me. But the weaknesses show more clearly that it's not my actions that define me. Hmm. And so, man, authentic Christian community, there's two things that you have to do that are going to just make that happen. One is you have to love people who absolutely do not deserve your love. And the harder one, you have to accept love when you don't deserve it. Hmm. That is so hard, guys. And the first step in that is admitting that you don't deserve love. From God, from your friends, from anybody. And that's why we get to boast in our weaknesses and boast in our insecurities because, yeah, we don't deserve it, but we get it anyway. Man, and when you can start to see that, when you start to realize, like, the people in this church will love you even though they know everything wrong with you, that'll change your world, man. Mm. That'll preach. Why don't you guys give him a hand? I have a few other things I want to share with you guys before we wrap it up, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly through these. So um, these are just a few of the marks of Christian fellowship. Uh, there's four, actually, that I have written down. They're probably not all of them, but here are four that I, I think sticks out, and some of these you'll, you'll have heard them in some of the things that Rob and, and Andy were sharing. Uh, the first one is this, Christian fellowship sharpens each other, um, and so... Proverbs 27, 17, that's kind of where this come from, comes from. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And, and this is just the idea, again, that if you're engaged in fellowship with others, you're going to be involved in each other's lives enough uh, to where you're going to do everything in your power to push each other closer to Jesus. And sometimes that's going to bring friction. Sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it's going to be really challenging. Uh, do not stray from that. Uh, that's one of the marks is, is Christian fellowship sharpens each other. Uh, the second one is that it carries burdens. And this was mentioned in uh, Galatians 6.2. Uh, carry one another's burdens. It's the idea of sharing in each other's lives to the point uh, where when something goes wrong with one of you, the other is there to support. And, and you may think immediately of really tragic things happening and, and being there to support them in that. Uh, I think more commonly for me, it's like, um, whenever I'm believing lies about myself or about God, I have men in my life that are preaching the gospel to me, preaching truth to me, reminding me of the things that um, I'm, I'm believing being wrong, right? And remind me of the truth. And that is a huge burden that I bear, for example. So um, it carries burdens. Um, this is in no particular order, by the way. The third one is love. And this is something that Andy mentioned. Um, love, it's so important, right? I mean, like, and that sounds really airy and, and nice and whatever, but um, Jesus said it himself, you're going to know my disciples by their love for one another, right? Uh, this is a foundational concept in any Christian's life. It's very foundational in Christian fellowship. Uh, the friendships that I have with brothers and sisters in Christ um, are powerful and deep and unique, and that is because of the unique love that can be found in the lives of Christians. And then the last thing is um, that it is Christian fellowship has a foundation of Christ, it's based upon our common ground in Christ. I mentioned earlier, and I, and I don't take this back, I'm not sure that Andy and I would be friends apart from Jesus, and that's not a slight on him at all. It's just that we're, we're so different, but the foundation is Christ. We both have a foundation in Christ, a common understanding of, of what Jesus did for us, a common understanding of the cross, a common understanding of 
Jesus taking our place on the cross so that we wouldn't have to endure the wrath of God. It's, it's uh, a common understanding that God loves us, like even us, like Rob was saying, something that we don't deserve on our own. We've not earned that, right? Uh, despite everything that we've done, and it's this, oh my gosh, like you're thankful for Jesus too. Like that's crazy. And, and it gives your relationship a solid foundation that can't be touched um, the deepest kind of friendships and relationships possible are relationships that are forged through the cross of Christ, um, and, and that's that common ground. Uh, it's this idea of we love because he first loved us. That's one of the scriptures that I shared earlier. Uh, it's also very much like in 1 John 1.3. I'm going to read this again because I think this is huge. What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship along with us and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And it's this idea that we have fellowship with each other because we have fellowship with God, right? And that is crazy to think about. The God of the universe has given us fellowship with him. He's given us uh, community with him because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And apart from Jesus being our mediator, apart from him standing in the way, we can't have fellowship with God. We haven't done anything to earn that. Uh, matter of fact, we've done a whole lot to separate us from Jesus, from God, as a result of our lives. And, and, and because Jesus took on the wrath of God for us, if we believe in him, we can have fellowship with God again. And that is insane to me. Like, that's absolutely nuts that we can have fellowship with God. Remember what, what fellowship means, to share in. We can share in the life of God, and God can share in our lives as well as a result of what Jesus did on the cross, and there is no stronger friendship or relationship to be found than the bond that is shared between people who also share fellowship with God. And so um, that's what I've got for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Why don't we pray, and then we're going to worship the Lord together. God, um, Lars, thank you. Thank you that we have fellowship with you. Thank you that we have uh, the ability to have a relationship with you, the ability to know you, to share in your life. God, the life that you give, that's so unique. God, there's, there's no uh, other religion, there's no other space where we can have a relationship with you, and that's because of Jesus. God, thank you for sending your son so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we can have full relationships with each other. God, thank you so much for that, Lord. I just pray that you'd help us to engage in that more fully, to take risks. God, to pursue risks in, in our relationship with you and our relationships with others. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.